is going on, everybody? Welcome to the very first ever episode, the very first ever live episode, I should say, of Extra Reverb. I'm here with Coker and Jacob, as always. And they probably aren't yep. going to say anything. Oh, is that my cue? Oh. <laughs> yes, it's your um, cue. Hello. <laughs> um, this is my first podcast, guys, so you have to be patient with me. Um, yeah, I mean... And as we go. Yeah, I mean... Uh, what we have here is uh, an initiation ritual. This is what we're doing here. Uh, but yeah, we got a few things to talk about, as always. We got the nice animation in the background. Um, just the three of us told them all they had to do was show up and talk. So <laughs> We couldn't even manage that. <laughs> we paid the big bucks to be here. So, you know, my time is very valuable. Austin had to pay me a lot of money. He had to pay me four trollers for this, okay? I had to, yeah, and I had to pay Jacob seven Minecraft diamonds. He paid me five yuans for this. I thought okay. we agreed on eight, but that's fine, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Welcome. Today is Sunday, November 1st, meaning 2021 is going to be in two months. How, is that, how, do you, how, how do you feel about that, guys? It, it's, it's gone by super quick, but at the same time feels like it's been five years. You know, what's crazy is on February, I'll be six months away from being able to drink alcohol legally. It's going to be crazy. Gotta it's get crazy. Whoop, whoop. No, it's crazy to think that in this February, I was down at Florida and in the same year, it, it, like all that crap. happened. It, like, I'm not even kidding. It feels like it's been eight years in just a year. But at the same time, it's flown by. I feel like I've aged a couple years in the last month, but to be fair, it's not COVID reasons. It's personal health reasons. <laughs> personal health? Uh, yeah. Personal health. Well, I don't, know, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I should bring this up on, but I don't know. I don't know if I should ask because we're live, so we can't just cut this out. We nah, let's, let's just leave it out. Let's move on. We got plenty of topics to talk about today. First off, we got a uh, featured artist that we want to talk about that Coker brought up today, known as The Replacements. Please tell us about this featured oh, artist. Yeah, okay, so The Replacements. Um, the Replacements started off as a punk band. They are originally, uh, they were from Minneapolis, which is in Minnesota, for people who don't know. And <laughs> I think everybody knows, but <laughs> yeah, I okay. be surprised. Um, but no, they started. They formed in 1979, and they started off as a punk band, but eventually down the line became really one of the big pioneers of alternative rock. Uh, Nirvana said that they were influenced by them, uh, Smashing Pumpkins, a whole list of groups. You know, Blink 182. I mean, we we gotta we gotta run the checklist down, you know. Yeah, yeah Blink 182 refuses to bring up his cousin's band. You refuse to bring up Smashing Pumpkins. I got to do my duty. Because Smashing Pumpkins suck. But no. Um, them's fighting words. Them fighting words, bro. Them fighting words. Disclaimer. Disclaimer. Smashing out? Pumpkins does not suck. They're just not as good as Blink-182. Uh, Fair. But, um, okay, so that Opinions. So, uh, basically, uh, they've been put under a lot of terms. Some of the most popular are uh, Jingle Pop which is just jangly guitars, you know. Uh, I feel like it just comes more under just alternative because they don't really... You can listen to their stuff and it sounds like a lot of 
alter it sounds like a lot of alternative stuff but then you realize these guys were really the first ones to be doing that type of sound so hmm. of course they were sort of the pioneers with a lot of that um a lot of it comes from one of the big you know one of the head guys of the band paul westerberg uh he he's done a lot of music on his own but obviously he's most known for the replacements they were inspired by a lot of the old power pop groups uh more prominently being big star which is i'm pretty sure i probably have talked about him on this podcast before and they ran for a good bit they didn't have a very they were one of those groups that really their influence started to show after they had already broken up uh they were one of the few groups that got banned from snl uh, they got banned for one of their performances on SNL. Uh, and yeah, they, they had a lot of, they were one of those bands, like I said, that they really broke up right when they were starting to get to their peak. And then after their peak, all these bands came out. We're talking about how much they loved the replacements and it, it, you really have to listen to their music to sort of get behind it because they they have a lot of changes throughout it. They released uh two they released two they had two releases early on. Uh I can't remember the name of the first one. I know the second one was called Stink. And then they released a third one called Hoot Nanny. And Hoot Nanny was their more bridge to where they would sort of become well known for. And then Let It Be is my personal favorite because it has a lot more of the jangle pop influence behind it. Let then, it be, let it be. Let it be, let it be. Right? That would be yeah. very convenient, yeah. We, but we, nah. We just, yeah, we just have to... We now have to get freaking copyright because of Jacob. so good uh, at singing. No, but uh, their, their most popular release is is got to be Tim, which is more akin to what they do live. Tim. Uh, It was the last album to have the original lineup of the band. Uh, for you know, uh, Bob Stinson, the lead guitarist for the longest time, ended up getting kicked out about after this point. And yeah, the whole the whole story of them is really you know, it's a really not necessarily sad, but you could it it, it really screams of the times that they were in with all the events that happened around them. And more specifically, the albums "Let It Be" and "Tim" are really just I feel like they're essentials to anybody wanting to get an alternative music. Uh, Tim had a, a semi-successful singer called Bastards Young, uh, and to show how much of this punk influence they had, the music video for it is literally just a speaker playing the song. Like, that. that's, that's all, the, because the group hated doing music videos. The whole music video is literally just a speaker, and, and they would, they would, um, you know, it was known that they were they were very wild on stage, uh, especially the lead guitarist Bob Stinson, and this is the reason why they got banned off of SNL. In fact, it was so they were so wild on stage when they did the SNL show. It's actually rumored that Bob Stinson fell over while walking out and broke his guitar, and they had to like last minute quickly grab a guitar for him to use. So they were very wild on stage and. Very influential, but you know, one of those bands where their success and their influence really only got shown after they were, you know, after they had already broken up. 
So, uh, do you, hmm. any of you two have anything to say on them? Well, I did listen to that song slash watch the video, and Coker had actually sent another one before he sent that one, and uh, this other one that he sent, the kick drum was way louder than everything else. Yeah, I just the the whole band is unlistenable until they fix that kick drum. It's like, what were they thinking? <laughs> uh, well, what were they thinking? What were they thinking? Yeah, but uh, Coker was Coker was all like, uh, "That's probably just for that music video, you know. It's it's probably not the way that the song was actually mixed." And then he went back and listened to the actual mix, and he was like, "Oh yeah, that was one hundred percent what they did for that video." Yeah. So yeah, they were just being punks. I think um, a lot of that music video had to do with the way back in the 70s music videos were mixed. You can hear it too. Like if you listen to um, a lot of music videos would have different mixes for some reason compared to the album. And I think a lot of that has to just do with the formats that they used back then not being up to date. And I think a lot of it has to do with the replacements. I th- I'm pretty sure they probably just mixed it to match to make it feel a bit more like it was coming out of a speaker. Because I feel like if you were listening to it out of just one single huge woofer, you know, I I, I feel like yeah. it would you would probably hear more of the kick drum than anything else. Or at least more bass. Yeah. And it was kind of in mono, so yeah. I can kind of see where they would be coming from, but... Anyways, um, I have put a link to one of their songs in the chat, to be honest. I don't remember which one it is, but it's one of their songs. And you'll see that it is a... I mean, not in the chat, actually. I put it in the description, but I will put it in the chat, actually. You just listen to every replacement song until you find it, guys. Yeah, listen yeah. to the whole album. <laughs> you put Bastards in Young, you put the right one. Oh, hooray. He said a curse word, Austin. What are we going to do about that? Kill him. Anyways, uh, next we're going to talk about... Next we're going to talk about... Um, the fact that you can now sing MIDI, man. Have you guys ever been, have you guys ever had like a musical idea in your head and you wanted to, you wanted to just put it down in your DAW in MIDI form using, using a virtual instrument. But when it came down, when it just came time to play it, you know, it just didn't come out right. You couldn't play it right. You, you were lacking in skill or you just imagined it differently than it would be played if, or, I don't know, your fingers aren't working or something? That's what's happening with me right now. I have this song in my head, and I, I, I don't think I could make it come alive. And then, uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, like, you could you could take a few steps back, go over to, like your table or something, sit down and think about it, and then you could, like, hum it to yourself. Fine. And it comes out fine exactly the way you want it, but when it comes time to play it, you're just not sure how to play it. Or, like, if it's a drum beat, you can beatbox the drum beat, but you can't put it down right, you can't play it right. Well, somebody, a company known as Voclia, has bridged the gap between, uh, between, you know, this face <laughs> what i'm what we're trying to say is there's a mic that now detects audio and transposes it to midi basically 
And uh, Mr. Andrew Huang was the man who revealed this to us. Voice to MIDI is real, he says. And um, he was able to make quite a few parts, not only drum parts, but also lead, bass, and uh, background percussion, which I thought was really helpful. And, um, yeah, I think this could be really useful. It's only about... The price is listed in pounds. It's only about 260 pounds. I'm not sure how much that is in dollars. Wouldn't it be about less? Okay, about the same. A little. It's a little bit more in dollars. No, it's it's approximately $342. Okay, so more in dollars, but still. I mean, Coker, we were talking through this earlier, and Coker was all like, he, I'm surprised this isn't $4,000, because this is yeah, like it, revolutionary. No, like most of like I saw one thing that was really cool, and I'm pretty sure Andrew Wong's did a video with it. It's this cool keyboard that has like rainbow keys on it. I was like, that's so cool, and it's tiny, and it's like eight hundred dollars. You know, and, yeah, and the, the, this is like only about three hundred dollars. Wait, are you saying are you saying we we have come to expect that the gear in our craft will be like super expensive? Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's fair, man. I'm That's wrong? really fair. You think, you think I'm wrong? We have a really expensive like, craft, man. I mean, if you want to play like every single instrument, or no, no, not not even that. Let's just say you want to play the drums. You want to build a good drum kit. That's three thousand dollars right there. Yeah. And if you no. break a cymbal, that's three hundred more dollars just to get a replacement. No. Yeah. Like how um, like I saw a video. There's this one YouTube channel that I really watch called i think it's called gear gods and this guy on it he pulls out a fender stratocaster in it and he's like oh this is about 600 so you know it's just a really cheap strat and i'm like cheap 600 and it's cheap like yeah that's that, that's i mean sad. Yeah, i mean they got six thousand dollar les paul les paul's so yeah well, i mean yeah but i mean obviously in comparison that makes sense but a 600 dollar guitar shouldn't be cheap affordable yes but not cheap yeah <laughs> yeah no like something can be affordable and still not have like cheap build yeah harley benton cheap build quality harley benton makes guitars that are like a couple like maybe 200 dollars max and they're amazing every person who's played them like there are people on youtube i know music is win has some he plays like you know he plays esps he plays gibson's fenders and he says that harley benton's are super good and they're only like about 200 dollars at most hmm well that's that jacob you got any thoughts on the voclia voice to midi i know you had some earlier uh i i want i want it is basically it yeah i'm definitely asking for it for christmas if any of you guys you want something to get me for christmas you can either get me an Al an alvarez a 1969 alvarez 5014 or this voclia thing or maybe a zoom h5 but this voclia thing would be a nice christmas present all right i tell you what if you buy me this this microphone i'll send you my h5 for free what if i buy you the voclia yeah all right what about Coker? We got to get him in, uh, in on this buy, somehow. If you buy me I'll a Klon Centaur, I'll give you a car. Oh, what? You going to give me a, a, a Corvette? Sure, I'll get you a Corvette for a Klon Centaur. I thought you wanted a Flex, a Ford Flex. 
I do like a Ford Flex, but if I'm going to get something free from him, I might as well get something that's pretty expensive, you know? Save me some money later on down the road. Uh, it's, all about, it's all about maximizing your resources, man. Dude, the 2020 Ford Flex is not too bad looking. No, not no Ford Flexes like are bad looking. But anyways, all right. Nah, I don't like the Ford Flex. Okay. I mean, it's not a well, car I'd get. I'd rather get like a like a, a Subaru Outback or a Honda CRV. Well, anyways, um, speaking of what Coker wants for Christmas, you want to talk about the Klon? Hit the Klon. So, this guy, okay. I'll have to quickly, <laughs> I have to quickly look it up because I, I really should have this pulled up. But so this guy back in the '90s, if I can get his name real quick, he um, uh, Bill Finnegan, Bill Finnegan, back in the '90s, he's playing all these gigs and stuff, and he has this cool amp. Well, while he's playing it, he he just realizes, you know, at these big clubs and venues, these big rooms. He has no problem cranking his amp all the way up to get the, you know, to get the overdrive out of it. But in the small little clubs, he can't, you know, he can't have his little huge little tube amp cranked up all the way because it'll be too loud. And it sounds fine, obviously, cranking a little bit lower down, but there's no drive. So he sought to create a pedal to sort of solve that issue. And so between 1990 and 1994, he cr created this pedal called the Klon Centaur. And compared to a lot of different overdrive pedals, it does something very unique. It's not just because, you know, speaking in the terms of like a Ibanez tube screamer, tube, a tube screamer, he, um, the, the Centaur, the gain knob on a Centaur doesn't increase distortion. It doesn't add distortion onto a clean signal. What it does is it actually is a blend knob between a clean and an overdriven signal. And that's how it gets its sound. So if you have the gain knob cranked all the way down, there's nothing getting added onto it. It's literally just the clean signal. But when you crank it up, the more you crank it, the more it gets blended with that overdriven signal. And that became super popular. And... Between 1990 and 1994, he produced 8,000 units of these. And he was making them all on a little fold-out table in his apartment in Boston. And wow. he was just cranking these out. And eventually, he got to the point where he couldn't make them anymore. And so he stopped. And there are only 8,000 of these. And these pedals are super sought after. So, for an example, last year in 2019... A Klon Centaur went for about $2,000, which is still a huge amount for a pedal. In 2020, they go for $5,000. They, they, they more than yeah, doubled I mean, the price within a year. I mean, your, your point stands, man. We have an expensive craft. Yeah. And, you know, they're very mythical. So, like, for example, one myth that was later proven well, true. Well, that makes sense. I mean, it's called the yeah. Centaur. The, uh... The myth that ran around about these for a long time was that the Klon had black goo covering the circuit board, covering the PCB so that you could not, you couldn't copy it. Well, someone opened it up and guess what? There is, there's black, they covered it in black goo 
to make sure that you couldn't copy it. That didn't stop people, obviously. There's hundreds of clones, including one that I bought. Um, but the original is still the one that people, you know, is so sought after. And he has reissued it in the past. In fact, he made one that had a completely different shell and looked completely different. That that goes for about three hundred dollars, which is still a lot for a pedal, but it's not five grand. Um, and so, hmm. so the thing that a lot of people I've heard say about these is that it really is, it it, it it really is an investment. It's something that appreciates value over time. So if you buy one of these, you keep it in good condition. Later on, you can sell it and you'll earn a whole bunch of money on it because these things just double in value every year. And and there's so many people who've used it. So I can give you some examples here that I got pulled up. Mark Tremonti, Jeff Beck, Warren Hayes, Britt Daniel, Nick Valenci, John Mayer, David Grissom, Adam Han, Neil Klein, and then uh, that's it. That's Oh, wait a minute. Sorry, there's more. Uh, Keith Urban. You have Peter Frampton. Let's see, you have Joe Perry, and those are the main ones, and David Dave Welsh. So you have a bunch of very notable users of this pedal, and the thing is, is I don't think, honestly, I don't think the guy wants to reissue them. I think he sort of, you know what I mean, guys? Like, I think he sort of likes the idea that this pedal is super valuable now. Even though he isn't, I don't think he's earning any. You guys think he's earning money off these? Still no, how could he? No. Sub Josh. By the way, sub Josh. Josh is in the chat. Um, I forgot to say earlier, but uh the link to the voice to MIDI thing is in the description and in the chat. And so is the link to the clon centaur. And uh yeah. So what you're saying is this is kind of like an this is kind of like the drive circuit on an amp, but in a pedal. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that is what I'm saying. All right. Very cool. Don't suppose you have anything to say about that, Jacob? Of course I do. I don't suppose you're going to say it. <laughs> what? No, no, I'm good. I'm just, I was messing around, but, uh, you know, it sounds cool. Jacob, no, I, Jacob can't even say nothing on it because we sent the video in. Austin at least skimmed through. Jacob watched like two minutes of it and then just stopped. All right. Understand. Okay. Guys. I didn't really. Coker sent, Coker sent the video like 30 minutes before we were supposed to start. It's a 20 minute video. And the guys are like, hey, guys, welcome to the new video. Today we're going to be talking about guitar pedals. This is like double speed, you, like, man. Watching biology class. Like, I'm sorry, man. It's do not, do not smack boring. talk five watt world. It was He's so boring. He is double speed, man. I've never been more speed. bored in my life, Coker. For the least money, all right. You are just mad. You're mad. You're jealous. All right, I'm gonna play it at double speed right now. I'll, I'll be done in ten minutes. Okay, no, not now. Obviously, I'm never gonna watch it, Coker. <laughs> You're mad. You're just mad. You can't be five watt world. He big man. Sure. You're just that mad. Well, anyways, um, let's give let's give Jacob something to do. Actually, um, recently, I've been thinking about, like I said, what I want for Christmas, 
And uh, one of the things that I mentioned, one of the things I mentioned was a Zoom H5. And I was thinking, you know, I have a Blue Yeti Pro. And one of the reasons that I like it is, or just the re one of the reasons I like having a USB mic is I can just plug it in into the computer and just go just like that. Well, the Zoom H5, the other reason I like it is because it can it can be a field recorder, but I need a computer to field record with the H with the Yeti. I do not need a computer to field record with the Zoom H5. And I thought if I could and I already know like the Zoom H5 can be used as a USB interface for XLR mics, but I figured if I could also use the built-in mics on the H5 as like a plug-and-play USB mic similar to the Yeti, then it would um, essentially be the perfect replacement for the Yeti. So I had Jacob test it, and he is going to test it right now and uh, demonstrate to us the fact that you actually can use it as a built-in mic, you know? I feel like this should be common knowledge, but... It's true, you can. And guess what? It's what I'm using at this very moment. Is my H5. Now the funny or you're hearing the AT2020. I want to get that straightened out. Yeah, before he was on his 2020 through the Scarlet. Now he's on the H5. Definitely sounds a bit thinner. Um Let me ask you this. You do have it set up to where it would like it would like uh, be recording in stereo, right? Uh, honestly, I'm not sure. That would be a Discord thing. Right, so it is Discord. So. Discord is making it mono. That's good. That's, um, what I would want. But anyways, uh, yeah. So, the H5, it's like a, or pretty much any Zoom. They are pretty much like all-around good, cool trick things to have in your back pocket, you know? And, um... I mean, let's just talk a little bit about let's just talk a little bit about the H5 actually, because we were talking a the few days ago the and H5 is a cool mic. It's a cool everything, man. You got like, um, you got this mode that is like, uh, wait, hang on, actually, I need to get a picture of this and put it in the chat or put it on the screen. But anyways, um, yeah. The H5, it has this backup mode that's like if you are recording um, and you accidentally get a source that's just too loud, um, it has a it has a feature where it will be recording in the background, and um, but it'll be recording in the background at 12 decibels below whatever you have it set to. So that way it'll have like some built-in clip protection. Now, sadly, that only works for like um, 40, 44.1 kilohertz sample rate, but still, that's that's better than nothing. And we've talked about this before, but like 44.1, that's fine for recording, usually. Um, but yeah, um, and then it's got like a, uh, it's got a buffer mode. This buffer mode is really helpful it will be recording in the background like every two seconds before you hit the record button. So the example I used was, say you're trying to capture the cry of an eagle. 
you're trying to capture like the screech of an eagle, but um, you don't have much space left, so you don't want to keep it recording like all the time. So what you can do is, whenever you hear it, you can just press record, and it will have that sound and also everything two seconds before that recorded. You know, and uh, yeah, that's really helpful. It it really um really helps you cover your tracks, you know. So, Zoom H five, good Christmas present. But if you're gonna get if you're gonna get it for me, get me a case and a dead cat windscreen as well, please. I don't want to use this thing without a dead cat windscreen. You need to do extra reverb. Do you guys want to hear it without a without a dead cat right now? Turn it down if you're gonna do it. It's really loud. Here, hang on. Sorry, it's kind of hard to take off. Anyways, this is the H5 without a pop filter. <laughs> no joke, man. That's funny. All but right, now, now the pop, now the dead cat's back on. You can you can switch back to the 2020. By the way, I think we're good. No. Never gonna happen. Oh, uh, we'll turn it down if you're going to keep on. I'll do it. Hang on. It's really thin. Did you miss me? Sort of. Anyways, what were you saying, Coker? We need to do like a Christmas thing for extra reverb where we give each other like gifts. Hmm. We can give each other songs for gifts. How about that? I already got paper planes. I don't need a. I don't. I already got a song from Jacob. Hmm. Okay. Alrighty. Maybe we can get the uh maybe we can get each other the Vaclia thing. I need to tell the, the audience that Coker decided to send the part in the Borat movie, the original one where they're naked. What's Borat? <laughs> no. No, we're not talking about what I and it has the caption Lake House Meetup. Anyways, Why? um alright, so let's talk about something else now. Did you guys both watch that? Um, resynthesis video from Andrew Wong. I actually saw uh, that. I watched a little bit, yeah. Okay, so uh, this is free, apparently. It's a tool for resynthesis to like one of five instruments. Um, I'm checking now, but I think like I know a violin was one, a saxophone was another, and basically you can sing and you'll get this sound or you can put like any sound in and it will uh, change it to one of these sounds, you know? You have to watch the video to make sense of it. But once you see it, um, it'll make perfect sense. And I'm thinking we could use this to improve the MIDI sounds that we have. Just lay down like a violin part in whatever virtual instrument you have and then send this to this um, resynthesis thing and you've got better sounds instantly. Yeah, man. Amazing. Like, it's what do you guys... Do. Like, the possibilities are, are pretty endless. What do you guys think? Yeah, man. I think it would be pretty cool. I'm trying to see what instruments are available. Hang on. And also, I need to make a... Uh, I uh, I need to add the image to the stream. So give me something here. 
speaking of like synthesis, how about uh I went and checked up. There's another vocal synthesis like website thing, and me and my friend tried to put a bad word in it, and it told us we. Sh- it said, uh, it said, why would you say that? Why? Why would you say that, man? It wasn't even that bad of a word. I think it was the D word, and it was like, why would you say that? Cringe. Okay, so um, I believe this. I believe this uh, web this website is called Tone Transfer, and um, or the the tool is called Tone Transfer, I think. And where is this? I think, yeah, you can pick from a violin, a flute, a trumpet, or a saxophone. So not many, not many options here, but still, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to put in a picture because I mean, we're pretty much done talking again, with about it. Yeah, again, the fact that it's AI and it's able to like take that and it's it's pretty it's pretty similar to the Voclia, Voclia, you know what I mean? It's just Exactly. Three. It's just for it's for yeah. audio and not for MIDI. Yeah. Pretty epic, huh? Like what if I think um it's pretty cool. What if you laid down a a fat saxophone riff? That's what he did in the beginning. One of the guys in the beginning. Um, but you do Andrew played that video, and then you play it into a, let's say you know a saxophone instrument, and yeah. then you run it into the AI. Then you know you have this cool thing. Yeah, I mean, it would definitely be interesting to say like, this this uh, song was made all virtually by my voice. Pretty much. Anyways, um, yeah, I think that's maybe something else. I mean, I'm definitely going to try it since it's free. I think we all should try it and see what we get. But, like, definitely to, like, upscale the um, MIDI instruments that we have could make it better quality, hopefully. But now... um, Oh, go on. I remember, like when I would want to do a, uh, like, take a vocal track and turn it into a MIDI or, like, a separate instrument, I remember I'd use a Logic's thing. Because you know how Logic has flex pitch? Yeah. I would use that, and it has a thing where you can turn it into a MIDI file, and then I'd just, like, spend the next hour trying to correct all the problems with the MIDI file. Yeah, I mean, um, the Voclia thing has a mode where it will do, like, pitch bend detection. You can turn that off and it would be a little bit better on that. But, like, you know, if you want to humanize it, if you want to get, like, pitch bends in there, you can turn that on. Speaking of pitch bends, though, now we're going to be talking about something that is a very heated subject for guitarists. The concept of top bending. I mean, top winding. <laughs> uh, but it does allow you to pitch bend a little bit easier. That's why I said speaking of pitch bends. Yeah. So, all three of us play guitar to some capacity, and it was Coker who brought this on. There's a certain video that's called The Worst Thing You Can Do to a Les Paul that he sent to the chat, and I watched that video. Yeah, by one of my favorite, absolutely one of my favorite YouTubers who does guitar videos, Chris Buck. Love that dude's videos. And he talked about, basically... Back in the day, and he shows in the video, 
the first ever article, the first ever Gibson catalog to have a Les Paul in it, featured a picture of a Les Paul where instead of doing what most guitar players do nowadays, where they feed the string in through the front of a... um. You can see in the picture that uh, Austin put in chat. You can see there's the two parts of the ch of the uh, the bridge. So you have the part that's just below the pickup, where the strings go on it, and then you have the little part with the two huge flathead screws in it. That's the part. So most people would put the strings through the holes on the front of that, and then just feed it through. But the first ever Gibson catalog featured a picture of them doing what's in that picture, where they would put it in through the other end of that. And then wrap it over the top of it. And yeah, I mean, so it's been called plenty of different things. Uh, some people call it top winding. Some people call it top wrapping. But each way, it's the same thing. It's basically just putting it through and wrapping the strings over the top of that tailpiece. I think that's what it's called. Or the part of the bridge, you know. Wrapping it over it and then running it through like normal. And Jimmy Page was known to do this. A bunch of different players were known to do this. And some people swear by it, some people swear against it, and it's a very either you love it or you hate it type of thing. And what, what most people can agree on is that it's not either way, it's not the wrong thing to do. It depends on how you play, what you want, and whether or not it does anything for you. And yeah. Like, me and Austin, it's, it's just it, different, it lot. you know? It's just different, you know? Like, yeah. um, supposedly, the benefits are you can play higher gauge strings, which usually give you, like, a beefier tone, more sustain. You can play those easier if you top wind them. You can pitch bend easier if you top wind. And apparently you also just get more sustained because there's less tension, if that makes sense. So, um, I have not tried this yet. Coker has. What are your thoughts? I love it. All right. Absolutely. Uh, you tried it on your SG, right? Yeah. So something to note, there are some uh, tail pieces that are made specifically for people who want to top wrap. Not all of them, but there's some. And even if you don't have one, you can still do it. So my SG doesn't have it. It's it's just a normal rounded tailpiece. But if you have one that has a triangular tailpiece, that means that that tailpiece was actually made so that you could top wrap it if you want. That doesn't mean if you have one like mine that you can't do it. It just means that some of them are made specifically to let you do that. It's got so more reinforcement, mine, right? Yeah. So I did mine, and it feels better to play. It, it feels a whole lot better. I can bend easier, and it, it has a whole lot more sustain, which for an SG is a very <laughs> is something that's needed. You know, the Les Paul doesn't – the Les Pauls, everyone knows the Les Paul's amazing with sustain, but an SG not so much, which is what top wrapping very much helps me out with. And Austin is right. It does make the strings a little bit more slinky, so you can play it a little bit easier. And I, if I was someone having some higher gauge string or some heavier gauge string and I didn't like how tight it was, I could actually top wrap and it probably would fix that issue. Yeah. Poor Jacob only has a Stratocaster, so he cannot talk about this. I've been thinking about 
eventually i i definitely have been looking at other guitars although some of the other guitars i've been looking at are strats as well because i like strats i think you should i think you should get an es 335 or 339 for your next guitar because isn't that isn't that the kind that uh tom DeLong plays with angels and airwaves he definitely plays a semi-hollow it's definitely that kind in fact i was literally i'm sorry i was literally i should just get the tom DeLong guitar dude yeah, maybe. The only problem is it's like five grand or well, something. I thought Tom DeLong's was a two thirty-five. Ignore it. Uh, anyways, two thirty-five, maybe. I don't know. Um, I just three thirty-three. Three thirty-three. Okay, there you have it. It was a it was a three thirty something. It's not five grand. Check this out. Okay. It was a three thirty something. But anyways, um, so signature E E S three thirty-five olive green with stripe. Tom DeLong signature. Let's. I'm gonna see how much this really is. This but yeah, uh, you could you could top wind. Yeah, it's a it's one twelve fifty five thousand five hundred twenty five hundred two thousand nine nine nine. But yeah, uh, if you were on the if you were on the Tom DeLong guitar, you could definitely top wind it. That's the uh, same kind of bridge that I have on my 335 clone. This thing only has one knob. Wow. That's so weird. Mine's got four, but mine's a 335 clone. It's not a 333 clone. I think... I wonder if I should get an ES335 since it'll be cheaper, right? Or no? I don't know, man. I would. I don't I think so. Either. I think it would be about the same. Let me check this out. Like a genuine 335? Yeah. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna look this up right now. I'm gonna look this up right now. Yeah, they're about the same. Well, they got Epiphone ones, obviously. They got Epiphone ones that are more I really affordable. Wanna a, <laughs> I want to get a Chinese knockoff Rickenbacker 325. Well, you've already got a Chinese knockoff Rickenbacker bass 4001, right? Yeah. Complete and, the whole collection. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Jacob. Um, Too bad I'm buying. This thing is. This this thing is only so expensive because it has Tom DeLonge's name on it, but it's Epiphone. So, yeah. like, if you want to get an actual 335 or 339, you could go with Epiphone and it wouldn't be as expensive. But, anyways, it looks the exact same as the Gibson. Whether it sounds the exact same, maybe. I don't know. I mean, we talked about that on an earlier episode, but Epiphone's new Les Pauls are pretty much indistinguishable from the Les, the Gibson ones yeah, in, really in sound. Yeah. Yeah. No. And Jacob, you have a better. You'd have a far better opportunity on the uh, on the Epiphone website now because, like, they don't have they have barely any left-handed guitars for me. So, I mean, if you went on there, there's plenty of different cheap options they have. I would I, honestly, I would see you having like a Les Paul Junior or something like that, or a Les Paul Deluxe. I suck at guitars. The only thing. Well, yeah, but I mean, those are cheaper. Probably cheaper than the than the Tom DeLonge three thirty three. Yeah, that's probably true. Well, anyways, to answer the question, the worst thing that you can do to a Les Paul top winding? No, that is not the worst thing that you could do to a Les Paul. The worst thing that you could do to a Les Paul is put a Floyd Rose bridge on it. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty true. <laughs> If you don't know, yeah, that's, that's, that's the bridge on a strat. <laughs> well, no. Uh, 
No, 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 wait. No, 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 no. I just found a cursed image. No, I just found a. I just found a Les Paul that has a Floyd Rose. Uh, it looks so weird. Floyd Roses aren't the default one on straps. I mean strats. Okay, but they are usually found on strats. That's what I meant. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Any final thoughts on top winding? I think I'll try it. I'll try it on my 30, 335 clone. But I think I've been so used to playing with it the way it is. I don't know. Besides, on on my 335 clone, it's very easy to bend the strings. I've never had a problem with that. So, mm. on a on a on the end note, uh, there's plenty of worse things you could do to Les Paul. You could throw it down a staircase. You could throw it off a roof. You could throw it in a pool. You could put it in a bathtub, soak it with water for a couple hours. I mean, leave it in a hot car. There's plenty of worse things you yeah you can run over with a truck or a car. There are plenty of worse things you can do. I mean, you can give one you can give one to like a punk band and let them smash it. I mean, that's already yeah. So Feed it to Billy Joe Armstrong versus versus. Oh my God! You put the strings on a different way. Cringe. You can't do that. Oh boy. Well, anyways. Uh, so it makes it's supposed to make it easier to. Bend the bend the notes, uh, bend the yeah. strings front. So yeah, it looks like you go in from the top, and then you kind of bend over, and then whoop. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, just like it says, just like it is in that picture that I have on screen right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that's all we're gonna talk about, then what if I can do that with my strat? Um, if you do that, if you do that with your Stratocaster. I will be very impressed. And we will talk about that on the episode. <laughs> and we will talk about that on another episode. But now, speaking of guitars, we're going to talk about something else. So we've talked about this a bit before, but Coker and I, we both have problems with our ears ringing. And uh, mine, not so bad as his. But the one thing that I've always found weird about my ears ringing is that it's really only bad on, uh, oh, hey, what's going on, Tar, by the way? Tar joined the chat. Um, but anyways, my ears ringing is really only bad on the right side, only my right ear. And I've always wondered why that is. Is it because I sleep more on my right side? But that doesn't make any sense. What sound is going on then? Like, if anything, my right ear should hear better than my left ear because of that, and there should be no ringing at all. Well, the other day, I think I figured it out. I think I figured it out. And it kind of has to do with a guitar. So, can you two fellow guitar players maybe guess why? And for Coker, it would be the opposite. That should give it away. Uh, 60 cycle hum. No. Uh, feedback. No, what's, what's, what is like a part of us playing the guitar for us that's opposite for you you're right-handed oh i'm left-handed uh so if you if this were for you if this were happening for you it would be happening in your left ear does that help you does that make it clear it does happen in my left ear or no it happens in my whole head but still a little bit in my left ear I think what the deal is, is that 
when I play, when I play the guitar, of course, I'm kind of looking towards my uh, left hand making the chords while I'm playing. I'm not looking straight down. I'm never looking straight down. I'm usually either looking a little bit to the right to see where, like if I'm um, flat picking something, to see where my uh, pick is in regards to the strings. Or I'm what what's usually happening is I'm looking to the left to see like um, where my left hand is on the fretboard to make sure that I get the chords right. And uh, because of that, my right ear is tilted towards the strings. And I think that's it. I think that's the reason why my right ear is the one that rings. Uh, for me, my ringing is because I listen to music very loud for <laughs> I said if this I... were... I said if this were you, it would do that. But anyways, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the culprit for my ringing ear. And, like, it, it's never this bad in the left ear. So I'm pretty sure, like, um, that's the culprit. And, like, I play pretty hard when I play guitar. So, yeah. Uh, Warning, guys. Uh, ne never, never play guitar without... Uh, Earplugs, I guess. Uh, I'm trying to think. You play guitar with earplugs now? I'm going to play it with headphones, usually. Because I'm usually, like, recording when I play, but sometimes I just like to sit down and play. Who would have known that would that would have been dangerous to my health? Dangerous to my ears, man. Hashtag guitar is bad. Yeah, I know. Dude, uh... Have you heard of the thing where, like, there was a rumor? It was called, like, I think it was called, like, Bass Crotch or something, where people oh. would have, like, the bass, and apparently it would, like, make their skin get irritated because the bass would be rubbing up against their crotch. So, like, the punk bands, they'd have their guitars cranked down so low, and apparently, specifically, the bassist would get, like, a bunch of, like, irritated skin and crap from the bass being that low and rubbing up against them 24-7. And so they start calling it bass crotch, and someone said, well, dang, if that's true, I wonder how the Beatles felt when they had their guitars cranked up to, like, their chest. They'd be, they'd be massaging their pecs. I know, dude. But whatever. <laughs> that must be so uncomfortable to play the guitar like that. I don't know how they did it. And the yeah, thing is, like, they weren't taught to play it like that. Because the Beatles, yeah, they they, they didn't have like guitar lessons, you know. <laughs> yeah, oh funny. man! I saw a um. The only real person who was taught what they played was Ringo, and that was drums, and he didn't even know the Beatles for the longest time. And, and like, and like his style was still so weird because he was left-handed. He would yeah. lead into fills like that differently. And like, uh, there was a book I remember reading where it. It uh, it was talking about the Beatles when they were forming, and they had to pick a drawing of them in music class. And I was like, they didn't even take music lessons. Not most of the chords that John Lennon learned on guitar were basically banjo chords that his mom taught him. Very nice. I'm not even kidding. That is yeah, an actual. Yeah, there was a no. There was there was a, a video that I watched. I I don't think we talked about this on the podcast. We should have um, a video called "Did the Beatles Know Music Theory?" And in that video. The guy talked about, like, uh, they would get on a bus and go to the other side of town just to learn a new car. Just to learn... <laughs> sorry. 
just to learn a new chord, like a F sharp seven. So like the video's premise was the Beatles understood like the concept of theory and like they got it, but they couldn't like put it into words. Like they could exp they could they could perform it. They could um what's the word? What's the word? What's the word? They could synthesize it, but they could not express it. They could not teach anybody else, right? Yeah. It was like muscle memory so to like them. Me, sort of. Kind of, except you know the language. You know what a fifth is. You know what a major seventh chord is, right? But they didn't, sort of. I, know how to I mean, they do it, now, but... I don't know how to... I kind of... I don't know if I know how to describe it, necessarily. Not very easily, at least. But you know... You know what a major triad is, right? Like, you yes. can write down... If I give you a note right now, like... Oh, D. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, they could... They could form that on a guitar... Or a piano, but they would they it would not come naturally to them to write down. Oh, well, the the other two notes would be F sharp and A, right? Yeah. But yeah, hey, um, I know all some that music theory. I'm not a Dumbo like Coker. <laughs> he knows it too. You are just you are just jealous because how awesome I am. You're just mad. Hey man, you're better at guitar than me, so you're mad. And Austin's better than both of us, so. Uh, Dude, but I'm the one. I'm home. the one that's gonna be making all the guitar pedals someday. So Austin, I dare you to pick up mad. the guitar right now and to play that one Sky Sailing song. The Dune. I can't remember what it's called. Dun, 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 dun. Why know. do that when we can just get the Vaclia doubler and mm -mm, transpose mm -mm, it into mm -mm. <laughs> into MIDI? Uh, my guitar is oh, not in that tuning though. Skill. It's not in that tuning though. Besides, Coker just had a nice segue. Ah, Coker, you want to? Uh, you want to make guitar pedals someday. Yeah. How do you plan to do that? Like, I know that you know how pedals uh, work, right? So just walk us through it. First thing I need to do is I need to buy a... I need, I need to buy a soldering iron. You know what that is, Jacob? Did they teach you that in kindergarten? Yes, I know what a <laughs> They didn't teach me a soldering iron in kindergarten, but yes. Okay, I'm just I was just checking. Okay. It was first grade, no. idiot. <laughs> so <laughs> Dan, that's Class, sad. this is a it. soldering iron. Oh. They taught me then I I learned that in third grade. Dang. No, but um uh basically I'm gonna start off with uh I found a kit online that like gives you all the capacitors and stuff you need. And it's basically a a, a fuzz face clone. I believe, or no, sorry, no. The one I'm getting is a Ibanez Tube Screamer clone, and it comes with the shell and everything. And what I'm hoping to do is build that kit and memorize it enough to the point where I can actually start using the components that I buy on my own to build those same pedals. And eventually, I just want to get to the point where I can actually look at like, uh, take a you know, whatever the word is. I think it's like a scratch board or something. And I want to be able to take it and then just put a bunch of capacitors together and make like a big muff, you know, or something like that. I would love to do something like JHS, JHS pedals and, and Earthquaker devices are like my two biggest inspirations for wanting to get into pedals. Because I love JHS's videos on it and it, it, he makes it seem so simple. And even though I know it's not really that simple, but he makes it seem like it's not once you get in the rhythm of it, you'll know how to do it. Which is really cool because he shows he shows you like 
he made a video one time of how to modify a fuzz face. And I've looked at it and it's just, it's so interesting to look at. And the fact that 90% of it is just soldering capacitors and stuff and putting in wires and knobs and stuff. It just seems so cool to me. And I would love to be able to do that. I'd love to be able to just sit there and crank out a, you know, tube screamer, you know, put some stuff together and make it or modify like a rat, you know, to make it like an octave fuzz, you know? Yeah. You can do just about anything really. If you know the electronics. Yeah, if I learn how to do it, then I could do anything. Like, think about um, think about the dude from Boston. You know, he made, he, he you know he made his own pedals, and his own equipment, and uh, that actually got me thinking. So I looked at this the video the other day, and uh, basically one of the guys from Boston, uh, if I can remember his name correctly, uh. Basically, well, I can't remember it now, but he, he, uh, oh, it was, um, it was, what's his face? Tom Scholes. Tom Scholes made a, he was a, if you don't know, he was an engineer at MIT. That's how he got, that was where he got his degree. And, uh, he basically built his own equipment. And one of the things that he built was called the Rockman. And the Rockman basically was a portable, amplifier you put it you clip it to your pocket you plug up your guitar and you put on some headphones and boom you had a little guitar amp with you but it was so good that studios began to use it so if you know um that whole really chorusy reverby clean guitar sound from the 80s that came from a rock man uh def leopard used it pour some sugar on me that was the distortion from that song was a rock man and that's the type of thing I would love to be able to do with that is to just make my own equipment and to just be able to use it. Mind the voice crack, be able to use it when I'm recording because it just seems so interesting to me. And not to mention, I could go down the line of like JJS pedals and start selling them, which I would love to do, you know, make money off of them. You said the Rockman was like a mini amp? It is a mini amp, yeah. It, 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 you clip it on. Hmm, well, doesn't that, look like it. You, doesn't look like it. That one. Oh, not, not this that one. one you just sent. No, that that they did make wall amps, and that is one that you just pulled up. But the Rockman, uh, literally was a pocket that you would put. It was a little thing. I'll, I'll send a picture of it. Uh, it literally was a little thing that you would slip into your pocket, and it was. It, it's really just a cool thing to look at. Uh. See, this one's the Guitar Ace model, but it's... Hold up. I think I found it. I think I found it. It's like a... It's like the size of a Walkman. Yeah. Yeah. That's Well, that's why it's called the Rockman. I just figured that out. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hold up. I'll put that on screen really quick. Just got to flip it around. Hold up. Hold up. Hold the phone. I just found something amazing. What is... This is amazing. So I go on... I'm looking up the Rockman, and I found this on Etsy. The Let me see. Guitar practice amplifier. Dang, I want it. Oh, nice. In a can of spam. Nice. Okay. Uh, dude, the knob say the little switch is fried, chilled, and grilled. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this on spicy. screen too, really quick. Please put the spam on screen. <laughs> hold up, hold up, dude. It's fifty-four bucks. I might get it. Dude, there's more. The guy makes them. 
He makes them. They're from Liverpool. Oh, he's got a he's got a NES controller Bluetooth speaker. He's got a a portable Mint tin amp, Altoids amp. Interesting. Okay, hang on. I'm gonna put this on screen. You guys, look at this. Look at this. This is gorgeous. This is uh, this is something really special, isn't it? The spamp. The spamp. This might need. I need to get. We need. We all need to get one of these. One has a speaker, and the other's just a head. I think <laughs> I'm just gonna get the head one. Dude, well, how big is the head one? Goes, Isn't it all like pocket size? They're all. It's the. It's the size of a can of spam. So. That's so weird. Dude, and it's got a little clip so you can put on your pocket. And a battery. Dude, imagine if you go and you see me performing and I just have this giant Marshall cabinet, like this 8x12 Marshall cabinet. <laughs> and then and then just on top of it, you see a can of spam with some cables coming out of it. Yeah. <laughs> That'd, That'd be, be such amazing. a good troll. I want to I wanna hear how this sounds. Does he have a demo? Please. Whoa. Okay, that's too long. Yes, please, please try and find a demo on YouTube. If so, I can find if you if you find it, if you find it, I will put it in the description if and I, in the chat. No, no, you know what I do? If I learn how to make pedals, boom, I can make my own spam. Yeah, <laughs> spam. You know, okay, speaking of making pedals, though, I was going to say this, but I wonder what it would be like if you took like the circuits of a tube screamer and just like wired them somehow into like a synthesizer. Just like maybe Ooh, into, cool. maybe if you did that, maybe it would, um, I don't know. It would probably be the same as if you just plugged it in, but yeah. I don't know. Be an interesting project. Oh we wouldn't want to mess up like the modular circuits because that, that would maybe uh, ruin the transmission, but it also might do something cool. Listen, this is the this is a demo of the spam and it sounds amazing. It actually sounds super good. We'll play it. Are you huh? kidding me? Are you kidding me? I just played a bit and that sounds so good. Yeah. That's insane. It does not sound like a little can of spam. It's Okay, I'm going to I'm going to definitely put that in the description and in the chat. <laughs> the spam everyone, dude. Yeah, uh, I hate, I hate to be like this. I want, I would love to support my homie, the Spamp Man, but I cannot afford shipping all the way from Liverpool. I'd, <laughs> I'd I must see if someone has one up on eBay who's local. <laughs> That's funny. No, all they're looking for is stamps. I don't want stamps. I want spam. Is that just recorded di from the Spamp? Surely. Uh, I think he. He might have it running through a cabinet or cabinet or something. I don't know. Okay. He called the song Spam 41. Very nice. Very, very nice title. Like some 41? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, I found one that's someone shipping from Minneapolis. That sounds good. Let me buy it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Bad boy. Dude, you, we all need to just get spam. That's not that much. It's really not get, that much. You need to get the spam with like an orange head. I mean a cabinet or a Marshall cabinet. God, why does my PS5 why does the PS5 have to come out in 
freaking 13 days, dude, or 12 days. Oh, boy. Because I pre-ordered it, right? But the thing is, obviously, you don't pay for it until, like, it gets shipped. So when it gets shipped, at the same time, I'm going to be paying for the PS5 and a $70 game. And then the next week, another $60 game. And then you got the spam. I'm going to be broke. Listen, the spam costs about as much as a game. True. Yeah, but I'm already buying the other games. I'm like poor now. I'm going to be poor. And even as a belt clip. <laughs> All right. So, so does the I'm sorry, man. I didn't hear. Does this have This doesn't have speakers, right? This this one version. Headphones? There's a model of it that does. Yeah. It's about 20 more dollars. There's can one, dude. Yeah, I told you. That's not by the same guy though. Looks too small. Well, anyways, um, we're, we are very impressed with that. Thank you, Coker, for bringing that to our attention. The hey, amazing spam. We should, we should get this to, refer- to help reference our music. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, these are my, these are my monitors. <laughs> yeah. You just have two. It's just a, it's a um, phonograph speaker for reference, guys. Anyways, um, all right. So, we got a couple more things to talk about. We've actually been going for a, an hour and ten minutes. First off, though, everybody go, uh, both of you go to the pinned messages and uh, check out the video I sent called Touch Sensitive Fader. And I'm going to put oh, that up on that, screen. Yeah. I, don't, I don't understand what it's, what it's supposed to mean. Yeah, I'll explain that. Oh, hang on. Hold up, I need a... Uh, I saw it, but I just don't understand it. I got it. So the thing is, this is a um. There's there's like a, there's a capacitive touch, basically, right? No, well, okay. Um, hang on. So basically, this is a big uh, SSL console for post production. It's designed for post production, and it's like fully integrated with Pro Tools. Um, so I had put that thing in like latch mode. So basically it was like ready. It was like sitting on ready, right? And you'll see it on screen now. Basically, um, it was like detecting when I was touching it because it was ready to go into latch mode. And I just thought it was kind of cool because I wasn't moving it at all. It was just, um, it was just me touching right, it and it was still up. picking it up but yeah what part of you oh, so what you part do you like not you could, you could literally just tap it in and it would on. try to it would like sense it it would sense that i'm All touching right, it yeah let's get the data it would oh, it was I just like it, ready i thought you meant it was Actually, just like a, a fader that could work on like a computer with your touch on. you touched it and moved it oh yeah i mean all of the faders would work All right, everybody. Let's get the data. but um yeah uh, it's pretty hey, epic. Hey, Coker. Uh, this is a little off topic, but it's out of curiosity. Have you ever heard of the band nineteen? Uh, the Chain Gang of nineteen seventy four. The what? The Chain Gang of nineteen seventy four. No. You might like his music. It's a little more alternative, but it's it's more uh it's definitely more up your valley. Uh, if you consider everything I listen to. And put it together, that would probably be like the one 
thing you'd actually be a little interested in. You might have heard their most popular song. It's called Sleepwalking. It was actually the trailer song for GTA Five. Oh, yeah. That See, here's the thing. Before I was into Owl City, that was my favorite band or artist. Yeah, I know that's the chain gang of nine seventy four. Their music's solid, and it's like I, I, I kind of feel bad for not really listening to them like these days because like it's like cause I, I enjoy that type of music still. Dude, I mean, I might need to check them out because I remember that song when it was. Yeah, dude, dude that song is really good though. Like I've been listening to it a lot lately. I just like it's in my head. Hmm. Uh, You're already the song inside my head. Oh, I didn't even think about this, Austin. If I get good enough at making pedals, I could actually make my own amp. Yeah, probably. You can start selling pedals. Your own preamp. Yeah, I know. Like, if I made, like, you can make a, I I can make, like, an amp. And I always had this idea for a pedal that, that basically, basically what it is is it takes your signal and then it puts it out through a tiny little speaker that probably has like a piezo on it or something. And the piezo picks up the speaker and then the, the output on the pedals from that piezo. And then that can run into an amp or whatever. And it, I, I don't know what sound it would give, but I feel like it'd be something. Hmm. Well, that'll really be something, man. What would you call the, what would you call the company? Like the brand for the uh, pedals and amps. I feel like Sweet Tuesday pedals would be a good, like, a not bad name. And, you know, even though it is not very original, I feel like, you know, Sweet Bottom Tuesday of the ocean pe- pedals. <laughs> ocean. No, I think ocean that's a bit man. too long. Ocean Man pedals. Just ocean pedals. Why not? That's that's that a pretty problem, good game. That sounds, that sounds like it's already been taken. I'll, I gotta see. Yeah. Because it's good. <laughs> no, but anyways. pedals. Nope, there isn't. There isn't a name called. O- there isn't ocean petals. There's there, petals that are called the ocean, but there's no. Ocean there you have it. Then we got our new. We got it, guys. Speaking of petals, uh, you guys can probably, hopefully, maybe expect this on the next episode, if we remember. But I'm getting a. We talked about the clon earlier. I'm actually getting a clone of the clon. And it should actually be coming in the mail this Wednesday. So, yeah, if it works, it uh, we might be able to talk about it on the next episode. I'm not going to give any more info on it because I want I still want it to be something for you guys to see. But you, you, you uh, hopefully, I'll send a picture of it just for Jacob and them to see. But you might want you guys might be able to see that in the future, and we could see how it compares to the real Klon. When Jacob gives me a loan of five thousand dollars and lets me buy one, a loan. Yeah, a loan. The voice inside your head. What happened to that pedal where you put liquid in it? We never bought that. We should have. Sorry, somebody Imagine needs to buy that. Somebody that. needs to buy the Voclia thing, and somebody needs to buy the Spamp. I call getting the spam. No, actually, I think I want the Voclia. I'll, I'll get the Voclia. Okay. 
Um, no, I want the Valkyria. Imagine I if uh, at performance. No, imagine if imagine, I have performance issues. You know how? So I was I watched a video where someone actually uh, there's a YouTuber who I watch called Samurai Guitarist, and he uh, he actually bought the liquid pedal. You know. And he actually showed one of the things that they say on the inside of it, on like a little a thing, like on the box, it says bodily fluids in the pedal will void warranty. I get so high when that's so bad. They, they knew ooh, someone was going to try ooh, something. They knew. They knew someone was going to like pee in the pedal. Imagine <laughs> if you did that and it turned out to just be the clon. I bet it's the wow. sound there is. It just turned out to be the, claw, the centaur. Yeah. Like, like well, in the pedal. Oh, uh, why not? But anyways, um, so we got one more thing to talk about really quick. And uh, we've been going for almost a, an hour and 20 minutes. So this will be the last thing for today. Um, You guys watched that Final Fantasy sound remake video right i watched it and yep. i'll try to remember what it was what was in it i remember i watched it though i never want to let you down austin so i watched it all right yep this guy basically remade one of the sounds from the final fantasy 7 remake which was the uh cloud cross slash so uh sound that he does with that sort of his and um it's like a it's like a four motion slash that he does so of course you have to have like the different knives he got like knives and forks and um he also used a jet plane united 737 and um he used a uh, he used he heated up his grill and then splashed some water on it and recorded the sizzle of the water and then he had like a hanger that he was whipping around for like that foom, foom sound. And then, um, what else? You guys remember? Uh, I think he recorded some static for a bit of it. Yeah, some, no, he had a, he had a, um, uh, he had a compressed air. He had a can of compressed air. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. And, um, he sequenced it all together in, I believe, Mixcraft? Either that or Reaper. I, I, think, that's true. I think that's right. And um, there's a lot of fading. You know, he has to have, like, the three different... He had, like, three different tracks where he took, like, three different parts of a sound, gave it, like, three different EQ curves. Um, and um, then there was, like, that motion in, in between where he kind of comes back to do the final strike. So he had like a um an extra knife sound for that. And I just put a link to that video in the chat and in the description. It's really cool to watch. It's like I saw a clip one time where they were trying to show how they were showing some scene where someone's walking through uh it was some scene where it required a really murky noise and they used for it they used uh like a bag full like a mop and then just started slamming it against a piece of wood to get like a real like a noise out of it and i think it's crazy this type of ideas you have to have 
You know how many, like, how much you got to think about how to get a sound for something? Because you can't just go and actually make the sound because sometimes, because, you know, got to layer it. Yeah. And plus how sometimes sounds in real life don't necessarily get the feel of like what we associate with them. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Like the biggest example is probably weapons. Like, yeah. Guns in real life are like, but in the movies are like, you know? (laughs) Yeah. No. It's you gotta you gotta have some things to like back them up and get the feel like yeah this is a real menacing device you know or like a punch a punch that's the other perfect example why are these so violent but yeah like a punch in real life is just I I just I just punched myself yeah it's just a collision you know and but then but in real in the movies it's like not really. It's my fault that it sounds like that because one day I was just in the toilet, right? And I was like, Arr! and everyone, and then there was this guy from the studio next to me. He's like, hey, man, that sounds like a pretty cool punching sound. What if, what if I sample that? <laughs> I, hate, I zoom in my recorder real quick. I'll record in stereo, uh, 96 kilohertz, and then I'll run it through, through Coker's amazing. I'll run it through the channels ocean, and see what they from think. Ocean, from Ocean Pedals. Yeah, and then whenever I need to play it back, I'll just have it stored as a sample and call it up on my sampler and then uh, just uh, revoice it with the Vaclia mic. And um, yeah, whenever I need a punch, I can just go and it'll pull it up, you know? And I'll be sure not to turn one of my ears to the speakers more than the other because that'll make them ring. And uh, when I need, when it comes time to mix it, I'll put my fader in latch mode and then uh, just you know touch it to make sure that it's ready. And, and uh, a classic ocean pedals reverb. Okay, and then I'll take a, a then I'll take a video. I'll take a video of just the speaker with the sound playing. You know, that's that's what I'll do, and that'll be the movie. You know, we we won't actually have a video of a guy getting punched. It'll just be the speaker. It'll just be a video of the speaker. Speaking of speakers, how come you can't record silence and then play it with a speaker and then turn it up to silence people? That's like multiplying zero by zero, man. It should work. Oh, well. Anyways, guys, this has been another great episode of Extra Reverb. First ever live stream. I think it went pretty well, actually. But uh, we're not going to pat ourselves on the back. Not now, anyways. Um, we'll be back we're for just, episode 30. Yeah. Uh, leave a like if you want us to do another live stream episode. Maybe we'll do them every 10 episodes. That's actually not a bad idea. But anyways, um, yeah, we'll see you guys later. And uh, here comes the outro video. The outro. Yeah. <laughs> Do 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 do